the Lord ain't going to answer it no way. <laughs> if you're wrong, if it's not his will, the Lord ain't going to answer it no way, and you and no skin off your teeth. You just get that's a, that's a way of um, it's a way of learning to be in fellowship with the Lord. He needs he needs to hear you. Yes, he knows your heart. Yes, he knows your imaginations. Yes, he knows your conscience. But he likes to hear you speak. There is a personal thing there. Just like. You know, your wife loves you, but you like to hear her tell you every now and then, don't you? You women know your husband loves you. You like to hear him say it every now and then, don't you? Come on. You know what I'm telling you? It's true. The Lord's no different. Amen. No my way. restraint was for our listeners more than for oh. my prayer with the Lord. I, I didn't, they wouldn't understand necessarily. Yeah, I, I um, did see somebody come in and leave if that's what you're talking about. But, um, well, no, I didn't notice uh, that anyone left, but, yeah, that type of thing is what yeah. I mean. Amen. Yeah. But um, be angry and sin not. Yeah, but just real quick, Brother Dave, turn to Luke 22. Let me show you folks something. And yeah, I, we go to this, and I know once we get out of it, you, you it goes out of your mind. You need to spend some time thinking on what the Lord's talking about, okay? This is a big deal. This is very, very, very big deal. This right here just absolutely slaps the majority of the folks out there that claim to be teachers. It slaps them upside the head, okay? They don't know how to handle this. What was the citation again? Sorry. It'll be where the Lord's talking to the apostles, and he t- he tells them uh, to, buy, to um, sell their garments and buy a sword. Oh, yes. I think it's twenty two seventeen somewhere right in there somewhere. Okay. But all this pacifism, hey, there's a time for pacifism, okay? There's a time to to bow to bow that to bow the knee. There's a time to turn the cheek, but not all the time. There's there's hey, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Yeah, it's Luke chapter twenty two, verse thirty six. Starting about verse 33. Okay. Luke chapter 22, verse 33. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Now, real quick, real quick, let me say, Peter is all fired up, and he means well. See, this is what I keep telling you guys. If you don't practice, what makes you think when the time comes you're going to be ready to lay down your life? What makes you think that all of a sudden you're going to get it? Peter didn't. Peter was whacking off ears and everything else. But when it came around the fire, he denied the Lord three times. So go ahead, Brother Dave. Yes. Verse 35, And he said unto them, When I sent you without a purse, and scrip, and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment, and buy one. Watch it now. Go ahead. For I say unto you, that this 
that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. Bingo. The things concerning me have an end. What does that mean to you folks? What Think about what he's saying. The things concerning me have an end. On the cross, testelestai. It is finished. It's done. Over. That's it. What's he talking about? Hmm? And you want to hang around in the Gospels all the time? See what I mean? His ministry was a totally different ministry. Romans chapter 15, verse 11. His ministry was to the circumcision, mainly. To the Jew first, Judean first. The tents of Judah were to be saved first. Oh, folks, oh, folks, if you could just get it. If you could just get it. The things concerning me have an end. The things concerning him in his earthly ministry had an end. And you go back and try to teach his earthly ministry as doctrine for now, you just is you just it just be like trying to um run around and grab up a calf and throw down a bunch of rocks and cut its throat and burn it to the Lord. Ain't no difference. There ain't no difference. Anyway, Judges chapter 6. And while y'all are turning there, Brother David wanted me to tell y'all about the tornado. Back in 1973, I'd been out of high school a couple of years, and I was working. I'd been out of high school, and I'd been in service, and I was out. I think I was about 20 years old. It's when, if anybody remembers or old enough to remember, when the worst string of tornadoes ever came through the south, they started in Missouri and they came down, they came through the south, and it was the worst destruction of tornadoes in in the history. In, in, in the history okay. Well, I was in North Alabama. I was working at a um, indoor recreation club. I mean, we had indoor miniature golf, indoor slot car machines, in, to- in pool tables. It was a huge recreation place for teenagers. 12,000, it was a 12,000 square foot building. And it was built out and it had, it had uh, gravel parking lots. And it was right off, it was on Lehman Ferry Road, right at the backside of the Huntsville Municipal Airport. And on the other side of it was Trina Boulevard which I know those names don't mean anything to you, but I'll never forget them. And there was a big trailer park. If you looked out toward, if you looked toward the south, there was a huge trailer park about three-quarters of a mile away. But anyway, there, the, well, the place was packed. We, we, we stayed, we opened every morning at 9 o'clock and closed every night at 12 o'clock. And we did that six days a week. So the tornadoes had done hit Austin, Alabama and Decatur, Alabama, and we had a radio there listening to it. We didn't have no TV. We was listening to the radio, getting the reports and everything. And when it when the um, tornado started touching down, 
between Decatur, Alabama, and Huntsville, we started sending the kids home. I mean, we were packed out. There was about two or 300 kids in there. And um, me and Neil, who was my best friend at the time, we started sending the kids home, telling them, hey, we, we, we need to shut this thing down. Y'all need to get home. So finally, we got the last kid out. They were gone. And Neil's car was parked with his tail, with with the um, trunk of the car backed up against the building, as was mine, to the left, uh, as you walked out the door, facing the south, his car was parked on the right of the door, my car was parked on the left of the door, both of us backed up against the building, all right, we went to counting the money, and putting everything up, and getting ready, and all of a sudden, they were, they were saying that it's just been, this, the, the tornado has just touched down, oh, there's another t- tornado touchdown in Hazel Green. There's a t- there's one that's touched down in New Hope. All these are little bitty communities outside of in Madison County, in North Alabama. And we were counting the money and putting it up and everything. And I had went back to turn the lights off, start turning the switches off to turn the electricity off. And on the radio, they said they said another news alert came and said there has just been two twisters that's been seen. Touchdown on Trina Boulevard. Well, Trina Boulevard is right out the back door, right out the front door, and about a quarter of a mile away. So Neil and I both went to the front to the front door and looked out, and you could see trailers twisting in the air, and you and it sound, and it was just a dull roar, and the trailers were just. They were they were just twisting like you seen the Wizard of Oz and the house spinning around. Well, that's the way this was. Even though it was black dark about ten o'clock at night, it, the sky was still lit up because you had Huntsville Municipal Airport over on the left with the with the lights at the airport and the normal street lights plus the lights coming from thunder and lightning. So we didn't have time to do anything. We left the door open because they always say leave the door open. And there was an air hockey table and a pool table behind us. Neil took the money that he had in the, the money box, and he took the money and he got under a pool table and I to the right, and I got under an air hockey table to the left. And the roar got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'll never forget it the longest day I live. It... It was so loud that you can't, you know, you've heard you can't hear yourself think, well, it was worse than that. It'd be like laying down in the middle of a of a uh, railroad track and a train running over your head. And the building started shaking, and I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't raised in church. Alcoholic parents, I didn't know nothing about the Lord. But I, in the first grade through the third grade, we all were taught the Lord's Prayer. And Neil was an atheist, and he was just over there cussing. I hope this blankety-blank thing don't kill us all, blankety-blank, blankety-blank. And I just started saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. as in heaven, give us there daily bread. Give us not our trespasses. Forgive, we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Over and over and over again, and as the sound got louder and louder and louder, and then it was like an atomic bomb. It was just an explosion. The whole 12,000-square-foot steel I-beam building 
with sheet metal building just exploded. I mean, it just it was just like a huge bomb went off. And I, I felt myself being lifted up in the air, twisted around, and I felt a little tinge in my left leg. And then the next thing I knew, I was laying across the street, across Lehman Ferry Road in a sage field, and it was calmly raining. And it was dark as pitch. All the lights were out. I mean, there, there was no electricity. Electricity was gone. And it was so peaceful, I'll never forget it. And I stood up, and I could not believe where I was at because it was over 150 yards away from where I was laying on concrete underneath the table. So I started hollering for Neil. I got no answer. And I, I said, well, which way is the vehicle? And it was a bolt, and then it, the, it was thunder, thunder and lightning, and then I saw my car, but I didn't see Neil's car. And I saw the direction I needed to go, so I went and crossed Lehman Ferry Road and went down to the concrete slab. That's all that was left. Nothing left but the eye bolts sticking up that held the, the steel columns. My car was there like nothing ever happened. There was nothing on the cone of 12,000 square foot concrete slab. Nothing. Nothing but eye bolts sticking up. Neil's car was gone, and Neil was nowhere to be found. And I, could, I, just, I kept hollering for him, couldn't find him. And all of a sudden, my leg, left leg started hurting, and I looked down, and I didn't have no shoes on. I didn't have no shoes on. And, I, and then I started hearing sirens coming our way. because I guess because of the trailer park and all this, that, and everything. Anyway, the rescue people pulled up and they said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Just um, my buddy is here somewhere. I don't know where his car's at. And then they took spotlights and looked around. And about 250, 300 yards away, his car was twisted like, a, like he took a toothpick and twisted it back in the field behind the building where, like I said, my car was sitting there in perfect condition. The guy we went out here, they said, where was this Neil at? I said, he was 10 foot away from me. I mean, we could almost, re excuse me, reach out and touch hands. And so they started hollering his name, and they spread out and started looking. Couldn't find him. About 250, 300 yards away, Back toward Triana Boulevard, Triana, the Triana Boulevard trailer park, they found him. His body was riddled with, like he had been shot with buckshot. His body was riddled from the gravel, from the gravel parking lot. It's like it took the gravel and just blew it through his body. Probably killed instantly. I had a steel bolt about three to four inches long, a half-inch bolt sticking out of my left leg. Still got the scar to show. Still got the scar. My lower calf. I mean, on the front of my leg. And I said, you need to go to the hospital. I said, well, I need to find my shoes. My shoes were still on the concrete slab. Both of them. And that when they took us to the hospital, the History Channel did a special they had they got film footage from uh, 
on WAY television and stuff, Channel 42 in Huntsville, Alabama. And you and I am in one of the pictures. If you ever see the thing on the, if you're a television watcher and watching the History Channel, and they go through the the worst tornadoes that ever hit North Alabama, you'll see. You'll have to look real quick, but you'll see me sitting on the end of a hospital bed with brown loafers on. All right, with pants leg pulled up. That's me. But after that, Neil was dead. I didn't hang around. I had enough money in my wallet to get in my car after the hospital let me go because when they sewed me up, said, you're free to go. They had people just stacked up waiting to come in from all the people injured. I got in my car, and I drove to South Alabama. I, I drove back to my hometown that night, and I was in shock. I didn't know, you know. I said, my buddies just got killed, when we, you know, and I, I still couldn't believe that I was alive. So it's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive back to Clay County, Alabama, so I got there and uh, knocked on my aunt's door. It was about, uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning anyway. That's where I started staying for about the next six months. Well, two months later, that little old country Southern Baptist preacher cornered me in the bathroom of a trailer and preached Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I trusted Christ. That happened about two months after the tornadoes. So, um, know all about the tornadoes, and I've never been scared of a storm ever since. I, it doesn't matter to me, the thunder and lightning, you know, I, I could care less. Because if you're if the Lord if it's your time, your history. If it's not your time, there ain't nothing gonna touch you. And I don't want to hear no excuse about common sense and all that stuff. Neil was ten foot away from me. It took him. The Lord didn't take me. Ten foot difference between life and death. And then after a trip to hometown, the Lord saw fit to draw me by the Spirit of God, through the preaching, and I trusted Christ. February the 23rd, 8.30 at night, it was 1975 when it was. That's when it was, 75, 74, 73, 74, 75, right in there two years, give or take. But anyway, that's just, then that started my journey. My life up until then was pretty, you know, it was just a few little ups and downs here and there. Graduated from high school, went in service, blah, blah, blah. Kind of normal stuff, you know. Stuff that happens to normal folks. But from that time forward and for the next up until today, I could sit here and just start telling stories for till, till the Lord comes back of the ups and downs of the Christian life, of the failures and successes, just like these children of Israel we're here talking about in Judges, getting in the pits and screaming out to God, and God setting you, getting everything worked out all right and praising the Lord and everything's wonderful and boop. Bumping your head again. I could tell so many stories about all the aspects of life, of the Christian life. 
of Bible college, things went through in Bible college, of marriage, of love, of divorce, of death. Lost my own daughter, 16 years old. Why? I don't know. I led her to Christ a year and a half before she got killed, run head on into an ice truck, killed her instantly. Why? Divorces, all kind of stuff. Gunshots, I could go on about that. Left spleen blown out my left side. All the automobile accidents stacked on top of one another. At the financial pinnacles during the 42 years to the doldrums of having absolutely nothing and living under a park bench at the Gunnersville Dam in the park area. $100,000 to living under a park bench. I've been through it. I've been through all that stuff, folks. And when I give you the examples that the Lord's used in my life, it's for your benefit, hopefully, that you'll listen and not make the same mistakes. Don't be like the children of Israel or Brother Don and have to be beat to a frazzle before you finally get it. Then again, on the other hand, as I look behind me, I wouldn't take nothing for the stripes. I wouldn't change a thing. So wouldn't you have your daughter back? Absolutely not. She's better off. No doubt in my mind about it. Lord took her for a reason. You mean you'd still have them divorced? Yeah, I understand now where you screw up in a marriage. Yeah, I'd take them. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm right where I'm supposed to be, doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing for the folks that I'm supposed to be doing it for. And I have no doubt about that. On that happy note, Judges chapter 6, Brother Chad. Praise the Lord. That's, uh, that's uh, some testimony, my man. Thanks for that. Thank you. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Judges chapter 6. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> Again, 40 years after Deborah, after Barak, Forty years of peace. Or just read the last verse in chapter five, Brother David, and see if they isn't that what it says. Forty years they had rest, and then the children of Israel did it again. Read the last verse in chapter five. Okay. Verse thirty one. <clears throat> so let so let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might, and the land had rest. Forty years. That forty years is a probationary period. Forty in the Word of God usually winds up having something to do with probation of some kind. But the Lord um, just—it's—it's a, it's a time to where there's something fixing to happen after that forty years, as a general rule. Go ahead, brother Chad. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think of uh, American history, and you probably know the dates better than I do. But there were those periods. Like when the pilgrims came, it was kind of good for a while, and then it went downhill, and then 
There was the mid 1800s. It was kind of good. And then 1881 happened. It's just just ongoing. This uh, children of Israel doing evil in the sight of the Lord business. Well, brother, it's the it's the philosophy of world history, not just American history. It's world history. It's it's our people history. Europe, the white Christian nations, South Africa, Australia, you name it. This you can. It's world history. It's the philosophy of world history. Is that the only thing that men learn from history? Is that men never learn from history? Amen. And you can break it down to a personal life. You can break it down to a state, to a local, to individual, to family. You can break it all the way down to the individual. Like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Can anybody say, see, this is new? Of course not. For that which is, ha- which is happening and has happened before. And God requires that which is past. And see, that's the kicker. That's what's, that's what's the trip about the whole thing, is the Lord requires that which is past, which indicates that this is part of the Lord's plan for some reason, which we'll find out in glory. Go ahead, Brother Chad. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east even they came up against them. Brother Dave, I want you to go look up the word Midian. I want you to run the root and the etymology on, on Midian, okay? Midianite. Sure. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chad. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou came unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat... You have not obeyed my voice. Obedience, like I was screaming about last night, and I will continue to. Whether it doesn't good or not, it's immaterial. It won't get out of your mind as long as you're around this program. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Our Lord's always showing them what he done for them, and they should be thankful. See, they need to be crying out to the Lord when everything's good. See, like I told you a few programs ago, 
You ought to be giving thanks and praising God and seeking his face when everything, when all the bills are paid and there's money in the bank and the kids are healthy and everything, you're fat, happy. That's when you ought to be seeking the Lord the most. Yes, amen, amen. Not wait till things get bad, but while everything's good, it might be they just might remain good. Do you see what I mean, Jelly Bean? That's contrary to your nature, though, isn't it? Why pray if you don't need to pray? Because Paul said pray without ceasing. That's why. Why give thanks every every time I put a morsel of food in my mouth? Because Paul says in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's why. Obedience. Obedience. Why should you pray before you buy a car? Why should you pray before you make decisions in your life on simple stuff? Like buying a house, renting a place, going on vacation. Doing this for your kids, putting your kids in this school, that school, what you do with your life. Simple obedience. Be careful for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's why. Obedience. It's all about obedience. But you can't obey something you don't believe. There's no there's no unction for you to obey. Continue, Chad. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abiezrite. And this is a pre another pre incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ Christophany. Go ahead, brother. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. (laughs) (laughs) This sapsucker is the thoroughbred coward. And the Lord says, Hell, thou mighty man of valor. (laughs) Talked to as one of the great heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Just like it said, Barak was one of the heroes of the faith when he held on to Deborah's coattail. Didn't he mention her? The Lord's character, isn't he? That's funny stuff. Lord's character. He chooses the weak things, folks. See, when you're weak, then is he strong. It's not when you've got everything fine and everything's just, oh, yes, I've got this down there. That's not when the Lord works, works when you're weak, because then he gets all the glory, see. There will be no glory in yourself if you were unable to do the job, see. That's why he calls the weak things, the things that are not, the base things of this world. Contrary to what your college education taught you and you thought for 70-something years, You're just as wrong as wrong can be when it comes to this book, if that's what you believe. 
He chooses a few, but not many. Not many. And Gideon is a just just watch his character. <laughs> watch his character. Go ahead, brother. And Gideon said unto him, O oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Question in the Lord. <laughs> well, if the Lord be with us, why is all this bad stuff happening? Oh, I wonder. I imagine there's sin in the camp, Gideon. Don't you know that with your with your bell bushes around, with your groves around, you know? And you've got enough spiritual sense to know that. We're going to run into that after a while. But right now, just for a second, I want Brother Dave to run a reference on the genealogy of the Midianites. Okay. Y'all. Yes. <clears throat> Midian was a son of Abraham through Keturah. And uh, Midian is Strong's H4080, Midian, and it has um, uh, etymology root word 4079, which means contention or brawler. And the outline of biblical usage is Midian or Midianite equals strife. A, a son of Abraham by Keturah and a progenitor. Progenitor, uh, progenitor. Yeah. yeah, once in a while I trip on words. Progenitor of the tribe of Midianites or Arabians. Now the, the word tribe. is Ishmael. Well, Ishmaelites were Yeah, in other Ishmael. words, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a, Ishmael, a son of Hagar, right. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Keturah. I didn't mean to, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Keturah. Okay. Yeah, the tribe descended from Midian. The territory of the tribe descended from Midian, located principally in the desert, north of Arabian Peninsula, the land to which Moses went when he fled from Pharaoh. In other words, he got a wife from the Midianites, Jethro. Uh, Exactly. So she was white, the same as H H of 4079, Midian, a son of Abraham, also his country and collective, his descendants, Midian, Midianite. There you go. Take it back to Genesis 10, brother. Uh, Genesis 10? Okay. If you run that etymology, I, I did it the other day on a bunch of these names. I want, I want everybody to see the, 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 um, what everything has in common with these Amalekites, Midianites, Jebusites. There's one thing they have in common, and I want everybody to get it. That's why I'm having you do this. Okay, but um, the best I thing would be to do would just let me see. Let me run one of the run one of the names. It'll take you back if you get to one of the names first. Who's yeah. one of the names here? The Midianites that we can find real quick. Um, just go ahead, brother Chad. When we get to it, I'll have brother David. When we get to a name, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you know that Midian. The first mention of Midian is. The son of Abraham through Keturah in Genesis twenty-five two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, I know I that. Just wanted I just to look up. Okay, click on Keturah and see what her lineage is. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good idea. There's something these people have in common, folks, and I'm going to stop and 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 raise some questions when I get that point made and bring that point across. That's the reason I'm having to do this. 
Um, okay, it just says um, Keturah, outline of biblical usage. Uh, the name means incense, wife of Abraham after Sarah's death. Keturah, feminine passive participle, perfumed. Keturah, wife Great of word. Abraham. Great the root word. is H6999. And the root word, to sacrifice, burn incense, there's a lot of meanings there. Yeah, uh, go down to the Strong's. Okay. Strong's, a primitive root, identical with through the idea of fumigation in a close place and perhaps thus driving out the occupants to smoke, i.e. to turn into fragrance her by lineage, fire. Her lineage, brother, is what I'm looking for, her lineage. She's yeah, the I daughter find of that. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> So I haven't been able to find that yet. If you want to keep, that's okay. Go ahead, brother uh, Chad. Reading, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get it. we'll get it later. Go ahead, brother Chad. Sure. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Oh, where's all them miracles? Where's all that pillar of smoke? Where's all that parting of the Red Sea? Where's all that manna falling out of heaven? Where's all that and them miracles? That's what Gideon wants to know. No faith, none whatsoever. He wants to see something. Continue, brother. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? That's uh, that. See, that's it. That th- this is a perfect example. The Lord said it. He should have believed it and went and did it. This is the lesson for you. If the Lord says it, you believe it and act on it. Amen. And here is pure disobedience coming from Gideon. The Lord just said, hey, didn't I tell you? Who am I? I'm the angel of the Lord, man. And he just keeps on questioning. Well, go ahead, brother. Keep on. And he said unto him, Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in, in Manasseh. Oh, yeah. Why, why, how you can't use me? I'm threshing wheat, man. I mean, there ain't nothing about me. My family's poor. There's I, there's nothing great about me. I can't even swing a sword. I, I don't even own one. Well, guess what? You ain't going to need one, Gideon. But you're supposed to trust what he said because of who he is. But there's nothing special about Gideon other than he's a coward. That's his special quality. <laughs> I can't preach. I can't teach. I'm too old. I can't teach. I ain't been to school. I can't preach. I ain't got no learning. I can't preach or teach. I got another job. Oh, that's a bad excuse to use. Take it from somebody that knows. That's the greatest calling, and that's, that's one of the most illustrious callings there is in the Word of God. Well, I can't support my family. The just shall live by faith. Didn't say it wouldn't be tough. 
Yeah, you got that. He didn't say it wouldn't be tough. The just shall live by faith. And without it, it's impossible to please him. Give him a chance to operate. Prove the Lord. That's what Gideon's fiction try to he's fiction to do that. Go ahead, brother. My family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. The Lord has told him out of his own lips three times. You're, everything's cool. You're going to be okay. You're not going to die. You're going to win. And he's still questioning God's word. Sound familiar? Keep on, brother. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And you would think that would be a pretty good sign right there, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd think so. Continue on, brother. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God! For because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. See there? He's got, you couldn't ask for nothing no better. Not if you believe the word of God. Continue. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Until this day it is yet in Ophrah of the... That's Oprah. Just like Oprah Winfrey. Not in my pronunciation. <laughs> the Bible. I'll, I'll stick with, uh, with oh, my Oh, I know, brother, but I'm just telling you how you pronounce it. Go ahead. Okay. We'll do it your way. Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal, that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And See, there's, there's those Baal-worshiping places. And the Lord, now he's done seen all this stuff come from the Lord. Lord's done told him, you're not going to die. I'm going to be with you. Everything's cool. Got you back. Go ahead. And built an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household, and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, 
that he did it by night. Yeah, look, you talking about a lily-livered coward, this great man of valor. Scared to do it in the daytime, so he wastes nights, prance around, sneak around, gets him ten men to go with him. After he's done got the confirmed word of the Lord, and the Lord showed him signs and wonders already to prove him everything. Go ahead, brother. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye, play, will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jeroboam, saying, Jeroboam, Jeroboam. Well, you got a different dictionary than I do, man. Okay, Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amicalites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand. This is another, This is, he's doubting the Lord again, it's just continual sign after sign, doubting what the Lord's done, told him from the very beginning he would do. Now he's going to put a fleece out. Now in my persuasion where I come from, this is practice, okay? I don't know if Brother David knows anything about it or has been involved in anything like this before. But... um. There is there is such a thing as um, putting the fleece out before the Lord. The Lord still does stuff like this, folks. If he wants to. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. It doesn't necessarily have to be a piece of wool to see if there's going to be wet on one side and dry on the other. It don't necessarily have to be. That can be anything. But let me caution you about something. If you make a deal, an oath to God, see, that's what Gideon's fixing to do. If you show, if you do this, Lord, I'll do that. Let me caution you. If you do make that kind of deal with the Lord, no matter what it takes, you better follow through on your end of the bargain. I'll say it again. 
And I know some of you have, because I know I have. You make a deal with God, you better keep your end of the bargain or die trying. The Bible says better is it not to make an oath than to make an oath and not keep it. Amen, amen. I'm just saying, folks, get in it tight. Husband leaves. Kids get into trouble. Wife leaves. Catch your old lady running around. Woman, catch your old man running around. Any, you go before God, God, if you'll just do this, listen. Before you go making that oath, remember, better to make it, not to make the oath at all than to make it and not keep it. You want to put a foot police out to the Lord? Be willing to go through. When he comes through with his end of the deal, you better come through with your end of the deal. Telling you from experience, folks. Continue, brother. Then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, and a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be... <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes again. I mean, how many times? So you'd think this is a made-up story. They can't, nobody is this... There's nobody this big of a coward. There's nobody, surely, that would turn their back on the Lord like this. Oh, really? Been in front of the mirror lately? See, it's easy for us to make fun of Gideon. You searched your own life and actions out lately? Hmm? See what I mean? Be careful. Be careful. But remember, he's, this guy's mighty man of valor. He, he's in the Hebrew, the Hebrews Hall of Fame. as one of the great ones. How God overlooks his faults in Hebrews. Don't overlook his faults back here. Don't overlook them at all. Continue on, brother. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. <laughs> man, he's making sure, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, last verse, verse 40. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Okay, we'll stop here for tonight. Brother Dave, we'll stop here for, for this right here, but I want Brother Dave to go to chapter uh, chapter 3 or chapter 2 where it gives a list of those people that's going to be a thorn in Israel's side. I want you to run the genealogy on each one of those people, take it back to their beginning, and I want to show you all the common denominator real quick. Okay. Let me see what time it is. My, let me go up here. I've got my clock fixed here. Uh, yeah, we got, yeah, yeah, we got about 15 minutes left, 10 minutes left. Okay. Because I want y'all to see a common ancestor, because the people going to, uh, and I'm sure the one that's going to give the testimony will mention probably something about like this. You're going to find that you're going to be, you're going to be surprised. 
probably, if from some of the places where some of you have come from and listened to what you've listened to, and I know what you've listened to because I've heard it myself. Okay, Brother Dave, go ahead. Okay, so the first uh, tribe mentioned is the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And the outline of biblical usage says it means immigrants, inhabitant of Philistia, descendants of Mizraim, Mizraim. who immigrate. That's Mizraim. Mizraim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mizraim immigrated from Kaftor, which is Crete, to the western seacoast of Canaan. The name so, means. Pardon me. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, uh, it means uh, a Pelishite or inhabitant of Pelesheth of Philistine. Mm-hmm. Does it give where the, the descent where the descendants go back to? Uh, checking that, the root here. It says Canaan, doesn't it? Uh, no. The Canaanites would. Yes, it's from it there. You can trace it back to Canaan. I'll just go ahead and but, tell you. Go to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Because I've done looked them up. I just want you to do it. go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Canaanites, uh, a descendant of the inhabitant of Canaan, mm-hmm. a descendant or inhabitant of Canaan, a merchant, a trader, Strong's definition, uh, a Canaanite or inhabitant of Canaan, by implication, a, a peddler, the Canaanites, standing for their neighbors, the Ishmaelites, who conducted mercantile caravans. Canaanite merchant. Uh, okay, there's the a point I'm word trying here. to make is their great great granddaddy was Ham. Okay, that's okay. the point I'm trying to make. They come from Canaan, Ham's son. Yeah, ne- Canaan. Ne- next one. Okay. It says the, under the root, the fourth son of Ham. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Okay, and the next one, the Sidonians. Um, the word means sea, hunting. It means hunting. Mm-hmm. A, a Sidonian or inhabitant of Sidon. Sidonian. And the root. Is it's you know that Mediterranean coast north mm-hmm. of Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. Right. Uh, yeah, a son of Canaan. That's right. Next one. And those were the Hittites. people that. Hittites. Uh, yeah, those were the people that David and Solomon hung around mm-hmm. a lot. The next was uh, okay, Hivites. Um, the sixth generation of descendants of Canaan, the that's son of it. Ham. That's right. That's right. Next one. And that's it. Okay. Do y'all see something here? These bad guys? They all come from one specific person. I want you to read the def and the uh, Strong's breakdown on Canaan, brother, the son of Ham. Okay. Okay. I will go right there. 
I'll show you why the Southerners taught what they taught, folks. That's what I'm fixing to do. Okay. Noah's curse was a servant of servants shall he be to his brethren. That was Noah's curse on Canaan. He couldn't curse Ham. He cursed Canaan. Or a slave shall he be. And his very name, is that's what it means, is to be subdued, subordinate. That's what it means. And through that lineage, you get the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the, just the Amorites even. They all go back to Canaan. How is that possible? Where does the Jews come from? Where is the Kenite? What, how, what's going on here? Who's getting the blame for what? See what I mean? Their descendants of Ham. Who's the one getting all the blame? Hmm? See what I mean? Amorites, they were the, and uh, real quick, run the reference on the Amorites, brother. There in, in Amos, it says they were tall as cedar trees. Okay. Um, something, just, something happened is what I'm trying to get across, folks. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Yeah, the root of Canaan, it means, like you said, um, to bend the knee, hence mm-hmm. to humiliate, vanquish, bring down into subjection. That's right. Under, humble, subdue. Okay, now look up Amorite. Got the Amorites here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it says that they were a nation of Canaan, and apparently the greatest and most powerful of them all, mm-hmm. and whose name is sometimes used in a wider sense, so as to include all the nations of Canaan. Mm-hmm. A part of them dwelt in the mountainous region, which was afterward occupied by the tribe of Judah, where they were subject to five kings. Genesis 14. Another part of them lived beyond Jordan, and. Beyond the river, I'm looking for that. That's a Hebrew Chaldean lexicon. The point I'm trying to get across, folks, I'm going to cut to the chase and we'll go ahead and close. The point I'm trying to get across is where the blame's being thrown to. The blame clearly lies. All these bad folks giving Israel a bad time are sons of Noah, come from a son of Noah. Now, something had to happen to Canaan, or either his mother was messed up one through his genetic code. I don't know which one it was. I don't know. But that's where all that's that's where all the junk comes through is through Canaan. Every now and then. A little bit might be a Japheth here and there. Some will come a little bit from Shem here and there. But big time from Canaan, from Ham. Now, what was the problem? Well, right off the bat, Ham goes in and commits mother's side. Let's just put it in a nice way. You find out he uncovered the feet of Noah, which which you find out in Leviticus is that's his wife. And that, and therefore, he became a mother, and that's that's a certain race's favorite word. Did you know that? 
I'm, well, good, and anybody that just been around them knows that's their favorite word. Mother blank. That's why the Southerners have said what they've said for millennia, for years and years, for centuries. Now, what do I do? I think that he automatically that somehow he turned black out of the ark. I don't know, folks. I don't know. I just know the only time that that race prospers is when they are in servitude because that's what the Lord said all the way back in Genesis when he cursed them. As long as he's in servitude and under a white man, he's fine. He'll do right, and he's good at what he does. Ain't no better servant. They ain't no better servant. Ain't no better slave. But when he gets out from under there, he can't even build a mud hut. You can teach them to, eventually. But by themselves, they couldn't build. They can't build nothing. Their, their civilization is nothing. They turn to cannibalism and sex. That's all they know. Well, it was sex that originated the curse. How do you separate it? What do you do with it? Where's the answer? I don't know. I'm not sure. And it darn sure ain't a localized flood, so don't even go there. Because... It was, it's Canaan that the root goes back to. And he was on the ark. So, that dog won't hunt. Won't hunt anyway. Across this plane, this, this plane shows signs of the, of the world, of the worldwide flood everywhere. The highest mountains show it. And the highest caves on top of the mountains show it. Ain't no getting away from it. And uh, and of our persuasion has tried to make it a localized flood in some Chinese basin so they could get some more people so they wouldn't have to put the blame where the blame lies. That's the reason I took you back and showed you where the problems were, how it comes right back, all the way back to Canaan, the son of Ham. Now, either Mama was a bad cat or something else happened, and I don't know that answer. There's some things I guess we'll never know. Can I ask a question? You can ask anything you want to, brother. Okay. Um, you were mentioning the Negroes, and it seemed like you were saying in reference to Canaan yeah. and Ham. Yeah, that's what Southerners taught for years. All yeah, the way a lot back of people came. say that that ham was black. Mm. You know, um, before I knew the Israel truth, the Anglo-Israel truth, a lot of Christians teach that. I don't believe it was ham. I believe it was. I believe it was Canaan. Okay, so because that's where Canaan the curse came black? down. Somehow okay. or another, something. I'm just saying, brother. I'm just throwing okay. the questions out there. Okay, I don't know the answer. Right. It's interesting because I know the Hasidics teach it that way, and they, the like the ones I was talking to, they thought Ham was cursed, and I had to actually tell them, I'm like, no, Ham wasn't cursed; it was Canaan. That's but then right. 
Cush is is no is no angel either, right? He gave birth to Nimrod. Well, but, but yeah, but that's you're still you're still in the line of Ham. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, There's like, Nimrod comes right out of the bunch. You know, got, I'm looking at First Chronicles chapter one right here. It's like there's just, you know, it, all of those names are right here. They came from, uh, you know, you got Nimrod, and then you got the Jebusite, the Amorite, the Gergesite, the Hivite, the Archite, mm-hmm. the Sinite, the Arvidite, right. the Zemurite, and the Hamathite. <laughs> all the ites come from Ham's and that's his right. son. That's like, right. And and you know they're gonna say, well, you know, there's that the the the, the uh, uh, kingdom of Cush, and they were yep. Negroes and this and that, right? But well, yeah. how do, how is it? You see, is it Rob Skiba teaches that there was a, there was a genetic abnormality in one in in Noah's wife, or either in Ham's wife? Well, that's not in the Bible. No, it's not. It's it's pure speculation, but you've got to answer the problem. You don't have to answer it, but there there's an answer to this problem somewhere. Hmm. Yes, I, I, I there is something, and there was definitely you know he was cursed. Canaan was cursed definitely, and that came on to Cush and then to Nimrod. But there's no indication anywhere either that any of those people that the curse involved being black, right? And I I find it really hard to believe that these mighty men who were like Nimrod, who controlled the world. Okay, will you answer me this question? Why why are the greatest slaves in 6,000 years, why are the greatest servants over the last 6,000 years black? I have no problem uh, with being servants. I'm answering it. Yeah, well, the the Lord uh, The answer said, is this. Nimrod could not be black and have the in- intelligence and intellect, and neither any of those men absolutely. could have been black and absolutely. been such. But now these servants, that I don't know. It's like what you say. Where That's did right. they come from, blacks? Mm-hmm. But they couldn't have been rulers of the world See, and been black. Impo- That's right. It's impossible because they didn't have the yeah. mentality. But don't forget the Cush. Yeah. Cush is is Canaan's brother. Cush never had a curse on him. That's right. It's Canaan that got the curse. Canaan got the curse. Cush, but his lineage, and put, his lineage, separate. His lineage mm-hmm. carries the curse, brother. Yeah. Okay. And the same would be true with the um, the these Canaanite tribes that we're talking about mm-hmm. that dwelt within the land of Israel in Judges. I'm these saying. were these were very Intelligent people. Now, I believe some of that intelligence came from the fallen ones. Yes. Now, now we're getting close to the answer that I believe, okay? Now you're okay, just starting to zero in. I think that the genetic manipulation, that's where you get the one-tenth of one-half, the one-half of one-half of one percent difference in the race because their genes were messed with after the flood. That caused the black, and that caused that caused the the intellectual degradation. Mm-hmm. And the only way that any of them can ever get back to a decent IQ and learn anything is with a mixture of white man blood. 
Okay, so some of them became black, but yes. some of them became other types yes. of hook-nosed canines. Yes, yes, okay, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's what I oh, believe. Okay. I can't prove it, but that's what I believe. Because it says yeah, there were giants tribes. in the earth in those days, and also after that, after right. the flood. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, right. Mm-hmm. See, that's where I was headed all along, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just wondering about the way we were getting, but yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying there that uh, some could have been black, some could. So it's have like been a, like you're saying, it's kind of a, nefar- a nefarious form of husbandry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Genetic manipulation. Yeah. Yes. It happened before the flood, and it happened after the flood, somewhere or another. I don't know how. I don't know how. Maybe that's maybe some of that stuff's true about them finding the books of Enoch and. Learning how to do that, that that angel magic stuff, who knows? I don't know. Mm. They said it was one of the sons of Ham that found the book. I got a question. Yeah. Since we're speculating a little bit. And I think it's the book of Jubilees that reaccounts Genesis, but a little differently, with a little more. And there's a story in there about what happened to some of the people in the Tower of Babel. Oh, turned, to, yes. turned to monkeys. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Made like apes. That's it didn't right. say they were turned into apes, right. but made like apes. Amen. And, you know, here we have a people that exist today that are like apes, mm-hmm. and we wonder where they come from. That's right. So Good. that's the only story I've ever run across that, that well, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it makes sense. It makes sense to me. God, God turned them into, you know, that for their yep. their business in the Tower of Babel, and mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. And you talk to these people that are brought up under science. Like I was talking to this girl the other day, and she's, you know, saying, "Well, man came out of Africa a million years." I'm like, you, can't, <laughs> you, 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 you cannot get white from black. It's like it's like when you put oil into water. You can't get the oil out. You know, it's it's ruined. You it's can't. like Rob Skiba saying the only difference between us and a blue gum was the melanin in the skin. That's yeah. about the asinine, stupidest, showing your ignorance comment I've ever heard made in my life. They always go to the yeah. melanin, yeah. <laughs> Open funny, their man. mouth and get you a magnifying glass and look at their yeah. gums. Look at their yeah. mouth. Smell them. Touch their hair if you think that it's just melanin. And, man, it just makes me sick. That's just crazy. And he's a skull man. Yeah. He's looked at all these giant skulls and tried to compare them to people. He must know full well that Negro skulls are different than white man, Caucasians, and Amen. so are And Mongoloid. There's only yes. three basic skull types. I've taught you guys this. And, like I said, go check it yourself. There's three skull types, original skull types in the world. Mongoloid, Caucasian. And Nicaragua. That's the only, and everything outside of that is a derivation, a genetic mix. Everything. There's three skull types. Now I'm not talking about the old the the Nephilim head. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the three skull types. You can even tell by looking at the, at the nose hole, the ca- the cavity where the nose is at. If with a Nicaragua or a Mongoloid, it'll be more rounded. With a Caucasian, it's always shaped like a pyramid, practically all the time. It's more of a V-shape, where it's more of a roundish, like a cave or a hole for the mongoloid and the negroid. 
in the water displacement of the brain cavity on the Negro is far less than the Caucasian or the Mongoloid. That's right. That's right. So that's some good questions, folks, and I don't know all the answers. Didn't claim to. I'm just saying that they, as they say down south, there's a nigger in the woodpile somewhere. <laughs> Y'all don't get that, probably. Oh, no, I get that. That's, oh, a, fr- that's a frightening yeah. thought. That's a, in, <laughs> in Eastern European, there's the Jew in the woodpile. Or there's there's <laughs> a nigger in the woodpile. In other words, when you got something that, don't, that ain't right, it should be right, and you can't figure out what it is, there's always a nigger in the woodpile. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, you guys. Y'all, just, y'all uh, this, these Southerners are so different. No, anyway, is there any quick, anybody got any, any, y'all got any answers in the chat room? Hey, y'all may have all the answers, and I'm sitting here blowing my mouth off. Just don't even try coming up with this with this localized flood crap. Just don't do that, because when men when men brother Dave get to the flood, we're gonna go through all the evidence of the worldwide flood. Amen. And knock that Karen Basin. Out, out, out into the out into left field. Well, that that's been established. That's Jesus. Oh, I know. It's been. It's, that's been. That even atheists understand. Even mo- a lot of atheists understand that there was a worldwide flood. They've tried to reestablish it as as a big chunk of supernova coming between the right. moon, sucking all the water to the North Pole, and a standing yep. wave, and it all coming down and washing. You know, putting a sea life on top of every mountain in the world. Right. The Andes were created in a day because there was a ah oh man. It's just it's it's anybody that doesn't accept worldwide flood is just they might as well be living on a spinning ball. That's right, absolutely. They might as well just embrace the globe. Yeah. Amen, brother David. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Any, any any y'all got any um, theories or ideas in the chat room that you'd like to share with us? We can check out. I, find, I like that book, that Jubilee thing myself. Kevin talking about it. turned to yeah. it like a monkey. Because, man, I'm telling you, they do. Uh, they some of them suckers, and they all look, there's they, so many different kinds of them. There's some of them that look just like a gorilla. Yeah. Until they, it really. There is some, absolutely. And these Somalians and Ethiopians, they look like half, Extraterrestrials, like, <laughs> really bizarre. I know Wesley Swift used to teach that Lucifer brought them from some far star system. <laughs> they have the strangest faces and bodies. Yeah, really skinny, long, and they're short and just weird, long faces, like all stretched out, and yet mm-hmm. their IQ is so small. It's I don't know. There's something wrong. Something, but like, yeah. You know, the thing in the scriptures is surely someone would have written if these people were blacks, some of these tribes, wouldn't someone mention somewhere along the line somebody was black? Or well, it does in Acts, brother. Yes, it, but it, I'm I'm talking about these tribes back here that were... Well, were it, it, it tells you, it up. infers blackness when in Jeremiah it says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard mm-hmm. change his spots? Both of those are black. Yes. So. So Moses' is, is white. Was that Jeremiah? Was, was the Negro, you think? Do what? 
Moses' wife was a Negro? I don't know no, about no, that. No. no, I didn't Midian. say that. Oh, Midian. Midian. Yeah, from Midianites, I believe they're white. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Cause she was now, there could have been a little mixing going on there as well. I mean, these were tribes that didn't necessarily follow God. Real Some quick, of them did. Real like quick, one of y'all... Had, go ahead. Look up Hagar. Real quick, one of y'all look at the etymology of the word, of the name Hagar. Yeah, I, okay. Even in Egypt, While the other one's talking, <laughs> what you're going to say. Yeah, in the Egyptian, I was, I was studying some of the Egyptian stuff because they, they find, you know, it's really hard to find, you know, when from the archaeologists, okay, what kind of skulls do they have? They they, they hide that stuff mm-hmm. until, until King Tut comes along. He's like this this five-foot club-footed white guy. Yep. Right? And they finally, Caucasian skull. They finally released a, an image of him, like on National Geographic, this really ugly-looking white guy. I guess that's why they released it because it was kind of like, okay, King Tut was white. Okay, he's, he's club-foot. He's this ugly little pot-bellied kid that was sick, right? So was Nepeteri. Well, all, so, all of them were until, you know, like there was a time when the Nubians took over and yep. for 75 years, and then, of course, they lost the kingdom. They ruled for 75 years, then lost it. But they had a line drawn down there where the Nubians weren't allowed to cross. Herodotus, Herodotus in his world, in his histories, antiquities, talks about them, talks about that bunch. Okay. The Nubians? Yes. He yeah, talks there's a, about there was, a, there was talks, an actual, like, stone that the Nubians weren't allowed to come north of. Mm-hmm. In, That's what in, I'm saying. That's what Herodotus said. Okay, yeah, into Egypt, unless they were there to be slaves or to do some, some business. But they weren't any, no other reason were they even allowed to cross that stone. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Negroes were kept, like, really far south. I wish they had stayed there. Brother Dave, go and <laughs> read that. Okay, um, Hagar, she was an Egyptian. And uh, concubine of Abraham, of course, and Ishmael was born to her. Strong's definition, Hagar of uncertain, perhaps foreign derivation. Mm-hmm. Hagar, the mother of Ishmael. Uh, in the Hebrew, Chaldee lexicon, the handmaid of Sarah, an Egyptian by birth, the mother of Ishmael. Mm. And yeah. I can't find a reference that says whether she was of Ham, but being in Egypt, highly likely. Right, because of Mitzrayim. Mm-hmm. And but, that's all sons of, of Ham. But Mitzrayim, um, I think it was Mitzrayim. Yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. anyway, if tomorrow's work day, we need to get off here. We've been on an hour and a half, so... um. We will go. Any if there's no questions, or anybody want to add anything in the uh, chat well, room? There's a comment there. Uh, let's see, uh, said uh, guest seven says, "All I know is true Asians are most likely six day creations." Doesn't explain the, the the Negroes, but they use they use feet like burnished bronze. When me and Brother Dave get in Genesis one and two, we're going to cover this Adam stuff and the two creations, the two Adams and the the people before the Adam that God breathed the breath of life and we're going to get into that stuff when we get into Genesis. Yeah, yeah. But that still doesn't get them across the flood. Mm-hmm. See, that's the problem you're still going to run into. But anyway, um, that'll be all for tonight, folks. Lord willing, and Friday night we'll have our testimony by our brother that's been out there testing the waters, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and it'll be enlightening if you'll listen to what he's got to say. Okay? And... um Having said that, Brother Dave, go ahead. Yes. 
uh, contact information for Don Spears Ministry. The telephone number is 334-397-2333. The email address for Pastor Don is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. You can go to the PayPal site and you can enter Pastor Don's account number, which is also his email, and that account number is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com and make an offering to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the work of the ministry done by Pastor Don. And you can mail your letters or offerings to his home mailing address, which is 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, Clio, Alabama. Zip code 36017, 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Great job, guys. Appreciate it very much. Great job, Brother Kevin. I'm still, I'm, I think I'm going to stick with that Jubilee explanation. <laughs> that monkey business, that's what it is, monkey business. Anyway. Uh, Pastor, God, we, didn't, we didn't say closing prayer, do we? should we? Huh? Closing, yes, closing yes, prayer. Yes, we sure should, brother. Go ahead. Uh, Heavenly Father, we give you... All the glory, Lord. Thank you for for this evening and our fellowship, and for being here amongst in our midst, Lord. We're truly grateful for yes, Lord. for the word of, of your book and and that we're able to to read it and that the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We pray the Holy Spirit do work in us, Lord, this week, and we pray for all of our brethren, Lord, that yes, that their needs be met, Lord, and that their prayers be answered, and that they pray in truth to you, Lord, and that they pray what they need through the Holy Spirit. Let us let let us work with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let that Holy Spirit work within us. We, we are so thankful and so grateful that you have that you have baptized us with the Holy Spirit, and we're connected to you in heavenly places, Lord, and we're with you there right now, Lord. And uh, we feel you in our lives and, and in our life, and and we're we're just so blessed, Lord. And we thank you so much for the the perfect work that you've done at Calvary and and shedding your blood and covering us in it for all time, Lord, yes, sealing us in redemption and our salvation till that time comes when either you come and get us, Lord, or we go to you. In your heavenly name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless each and every one of you. And Lord willing, help from it, and we'll see you Friday night. You guys give me a call this week, okay? Yes, will do. Yes. yes. All right. God bless and good night, folks. Good night. Good night, Brother Kevin.